Test, test, test. One, two, one, two. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> and welcome back. And I was going to pick up where I left off at the uh, end of uh, the episode 0003. And so I wanted to do just that. So welcome back to my page, Mike. Um, I grew up on post at uh, Fort Ord, which is Monterey County in California, of course. Um, here in, well, I mean, for those that don't know, because I realize there are other states. Um, and I had four other brothers and a sister. Um, I came over here, um, six kids. My dad, as I mentioned, 1969, after he got back from Vietnam, we came from Frankfurt, Germany. Um, actually, first we were in Frankfurt, Germany. My brothers were born, 62, 66. Um, um, it was interesting because we came to Washington, D.C. in 64 for uh, Death Watch. Um, crypto clearance my dad had um, for Kennedy got shot. And then um, and so he had to come back to D.C. And then we went back to Frankfurt, Germany in 66. And we came back and uh, we were in um, uh, we went to a Schaffenberg and Frankfurt where they were born. And then, as I said, then we came back to Pennsylvania, South Fork. And that's where we, we were hanging out there until my dad got out of Vietnam. He came in uh, with a good old one of those VW buses with that table that folded down in the middle. I don't know how the hell we got six kids in that and two adults. I really don't to this day. I'm like, holy crap. How did that, We you know, we do that. But basically, we headed over to Fort Ord in um, 69 and, and grew up there. And it was quite a life. You know, we lived on post, basically government property. Uh, we didn't mingle with civilians. You know, as my dad would say, you know, those are fucking civilians, you know. We are military. You're military, brat. You're military. You know, those are freaking um, civilians. Don't mingle with them over there, blah, blah, blah. And there's literally a fence. It's like the Mexican freaking border, man, with uh, Fort Ord and Marina and uh, Monterey. Well, it, it, it was Marina on one side, Seaside, California on the other one. So we always, you know, went into Seaside and snuck in and out, Marina in and out here and there. But Boy, I ran all over that damn post and I have plenty of stories about that. Every single part of it, every all the way to the backwoods where we rode the motorcycles on the Barmitz Mini Bike Club, which we helped run. I remember Mr. Sinkmar. Oh, my God. I can't believe I remember names like that who actually ran the 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 Ford Ord, um, the the motorcycle club there. And that's what I did growing up racing since I was five years old. Um, I'll never forget the time, you know, my brother would have us walking out before I get there. Um, so we were, we were, um, you know, military brats on Pat. We lived in Patton park, um, on Fort Ord, which was right in that, right next to Marina. It had the longest VA hospital in the country. It stretched 17 miles long. Uh, during the, um, you know, at the end of the Vietnam war, there were plenty of people filling that up. I remember we used to get our bikes and ride up and down that, go to the Welcome Center, um, go up to Stillwell Hall, uh, which was awesome. Um, 
and all over the post. We were everywhere. Little brats, we were all over. Back then, our parents couldn't give a damn. As long as, you know, we ate breakfast, we were gone. Came back for lunch, ate a sandwich, and we were gone. And came back at 5 o'clock to eat. And when that cannon fired, and on post, every day the cannon fired at 5 o'clock and 6 a.m. And when that thing went off, you stopped your car, everybody stopped and saluted the, the, the flag. And you did not talk shit to elder, older people, you know, adults. Um, there were military police going around. and But you had respect because, you know, they would drag your ass home. You'd be in some serious trouble if you got stupid. Um, it was kind of funny. The You know, we were always worried the Russians were going to start a World War III at any time. Uh, the wall was up in Germany, um, you know, uh, and we would have siren tests for incoming nuclear missiles. Um, actually, you know, siren uh, tests where they would do that once in a while and they would set them off to test to make sure they were working. So that always freaked me out about Russia. Um, and so uh, every day, as I said, the cannon would go off and we would try our best to get close to that huge thing. And all the cars would stop and people got out and saluted and placed their hand on their chest or saluted 7 a.m. It was 7 a.m. and 5 a.m., I think. And this cannon was freaking like 17 feet, I think. Uh, yeah, I'd say about a 17 foot howitzer. That son of a bitch, when it went, I mean, when it went, boom, the whole fucking, I mean, it bounced on the ground. And it shot out a plume that was like 100 feet. There was a clear field in front of it. And we would, you know, we would sometimes go out to the field and they would shoo our ass off there like, you know, God damn it, get off the head. <laughs> they would say, and we would run off to the side and then they would, you know, fire that thing and then bitch us out later, come and find us and say, God damn it. You have no sense and start bitching this out, you know, some other sergeant or something that say, you know, and then they, you know, ask who my dad was and other stuff. And they, you know, it was funny. So, but we would do anything to get there and watch that sucker go off. It was awesome. Um, I grew up, you know, watching uh, real squadrons of tanks and jeeps and helicopters. We could see while playing and troops marching down the street. Um, we went to the welcome center, uh, but let, yeah, let me get back to that. It wasn't like, you know, when you were, if you were playing with army men in other places, I don't know if you didn't grow up on post or something. So that's, you know, you grew up with playing with army men, but here you were seeing real army men. I mean, when they had parades on the parade field, that military band was freaking awesome. You know, they were huge and had a full bland sounded perfect. I mean, right on key, everything. And they would play all the star spangled banner and everything be going on and cannon would fire and squadrons of helicopters would go over and troops marching by me and everything. It was like, holy shit. You know, it's like, you know, you were ready to go to war, you know, again, it was really full blown military marching band, um, everything at night. It was, it was very common to watch, um, out back. I could see miles back, um, where there are simulated war zones, uh, back towards Toro park and back towards, uh, East Garrison and mud hen Lake. Um, God, I can't believe I remember all that stuff. But back there, you would see parachutes, uh, these three parachutes with this bright light, 
you would see three or four of them. And those were things that during the simulated war zones, they would shoot up. Uh, so it'd come down and, and so they could, you know, try to see each other. You know, just like regular war. That's what you were, that, that still gives me chills when I thought about it because um, that's like I could not imagine being a GI or, or a guy in war or, or somebody and then you hear that poop and then at, in a little bit you see boom, that burst in the sky and that fucking light lighting everything up, you know, going to give away your location and shit and, you know, so they can see you. And we did the same to them, you know, I'm sure that's just to put the fear of God in you on the battlefield. Um, so for us, it was kind of fun. We would actually at nighttime as we got a little older, our, our crazy ass would be out there on the edge of that, you know, out there going to see how close we could get to that light. And it was way the hell out there. We had to go way down MGM Road, almost five miles. Um, but we did. We knew all the places. We even hid in the foxholes and stuff like that. And it, it was really crazy. So that, you know, that was something. There was a lot we did on the post. And I have a lot more stories about that um, because that's what I grew up with. Um, so, yeah, the lights were pretty terrifying, I bet, for those guys. And my dad would actually be out there with those troops doing, you know, fighting another team or doing that, you know, with however many men. Um, we grew up eating sea rations, you know, from the Vietnam war. My dad brought home cases and cases and cases of that during the seventies. And so we were six kids, man. If you didn't eat all your food, somebody else ate it. If you didn't eat every, everything in that damn fridge would be gone, you know? And it's kind of funny because, um, I mean, it was so bad at times that I don't know, you know, I'm sure some of you grew up with it, but, um, there's times where I would make that lovely, you know, thing that would just be bread, butter, and sugar. That was what I ate with, you know, in a great drink, you know. you know. Blacks talk about that, make fun of that great drink, you know. I damn well know what great drink is. You know, we were the same way. You know, you never got any kind of, you know, Captain Crunch Harley or anything like that back. You know, we didn't, you know. So sea rations were it, you know, I started getting those sea rations and uh, it, it was just, I loved those things, a little fudge deal and you got the little can opener and that's where my smoking started. Um, each one would come with four chiclets in this little, you get this white brown box and you open it and you get the, this olive green cans in it. Um, and there would be the short one with the fudge and there'd be the other bigger ones, which are the mystery ones. And you would open them and believe me, we'd eat every piece and part of that stuff as us kids, you know, and then you, you got four Paul Mall cigarettes inside the sea ration. So we'd be out in the woods. We'd open, we'd eat the stuff in our backwoods. We were really close to, they weren't like woods and trees. They were more like bushes and stuff. And we would have little tents and I mean, little forts that we would build and we'd be out there eating the sea rations and munching the chiclets. And then we started smoking the Paul Malls and that we have menthol, I mean, um, unfiltered Paul Malls. And, uh, so I started, uh, my brother started first. I stayed away for a while and then finally I started smoking later. Um, but yeah, that when dad brought them home, that's how I started smoking because of the first four, you know, the four Paul Malls and the sea rations from the Vietnam war. So that, um, it's funny. I would love to see one of those boxes today just to kind of get a kick out of that in the old can opener. Um, 
Um, and so the best one, of course, was the fudge tin, you know, made of steel. And you had to, you know, you got that out and did a little work. It was great. Everyone smoked back then. So that was, you know, I could understand why most weren't coming back. You know, if you think about it in the seventies with the Vietnam war and that you, when you were going, you ain't coming back. You pretty much figured that. And so the best way to deal with that, of course, was to do the heroin and smoke the weed and, um, you know, party until, you know, whenever and smoke and everything else, because and I can see why the generation before that with the, the other world war and, you know, dealing with Hitler and all that stuff, too. They just had this years of war and stuff. And then you pretty much were guaranteed you weren't coming back. I mean, that's the bottom. You know, that's the truth. And so my dad used to say that is what his fucking job was, you know, was to make sure that he will kick their ass, train them so they would survive that fucking war, you know. And then he would say it one day. It was funny um, in high in kindergarten. I think it was. They asked me, said, so, you know, what does your dad do? Go home, you know, and ask your dad what he does and come back and, you know, tell me, you know, tell the class what your dad does, you know, and your mom, you know. So I went home and I asked my mom, she goes, oh yeah, well, you know, and I knew cause she would do, my mom was one hell of an artist, one hell of an artist. She could do porcelain, ceramics, uh, paintings, oil, everything. She was a genius at it. Um, and too bad she stopped later in life, but, uh, my mom was a genius. I think I got that, uh, the programming to me is art, like programming computers and programming languages. And I do like eight of them, 10 of them. Um, and I think that's where I got it. I paint programs like my mom paints, you know, pictures. Um, and that, and that's pretty much where I think I got my dad on the other hand was like, Oh, fuck going to school. You know, you're going to just go out and bust your ass and work. That's what you do. So I got the best of both sides. I got a brainiac mom. And I got a drill sergeant dad who was, you know, the other work your ass off. My mom was go to college and, you know, if you can, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I came home and I said, uh, oh, you know, dad, what do you do for work? You know, uh, dad, what do you do for work? And he said, I fucking kill people. So I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's true. I mean, that's what dad does. He fucking kills people. So it was funny. I went to school the next day and they said, so Michael, what did you, what does your dad and mom say? And I said, well, my mom likes to do painting. And they said, yeah, okay, that's great. And, and she likes to do painting, huh? What else? And I said, make dolls too. And they said, so what does your, your dad like to do? And I said, or what does your dad do? And so well, I asked my dad, my dad said, he fucking kills people. And I just stopped, I guess, and the lady, it was, I can remember the, almost the pause today. She just almost, you know, okay, well, <laughs> and it was just so funny that, uh, you know, that I had, uh, you know, said that. Um, but again, you know, back then everyone smoked and that continued through the seventies and the eighties. Um, and, uh, then at about five. Um, my brother started taking me out about five miles. I mean, literally to a track at five years old. And we'd walk up and down these hills all the way out to what was called the Varmint Mini Bike Club. And it was way the hell out. And we would walk all the way out. 
And for 50 cents, you could ride a Briggs and Stratton lawnmower around the track for like 15 minutes, I guess. And then uh, they would end up, uh, you, you would pay your, your 50 cents and ride around for like 10 laps or whatever. And so that's where uh, he started riding first. I didn't ride right away. Um, and uh, it was it was pretty fun. And and I would be the only, you know, one to go with them because Mark, Mark was my brother who was a little too young. And PJ was too young too, you know, by then I think. So we're two years apart. Mark was three. PJ was one, you know, at the time. And so it was hilarious. That was my first introduction to a motorcycle. I had no clue for the next 10 years I would become a motorcycle racing family. We would work on bikes all week and race on the weekends. I became very good at using tools, building bikes, and winning races. Um, my brother, Scott, was a meticulous perfectionist. That guy did not, you built that goddamn bike. So I had a drill sergeant dad with a, with my, my brother who was, um, I would say five years older than me at least. Um, Jesus, I still don't know. Um, but he wanted, he, when I started out, it was handing them tools, you know, okay. He'd say, give me the socket, give me a 10 millimeter, grab me the Phillips, grit this, get that. And he would just be working and pretty soon. It was like, okay, Mike, get out there and pull the carb and clean it, clean the bowl, you know, put it back together. Uh, make sure you Loctite everything, you know, and, and he would double check and everything. And then he would also build like these crazy ass bikes. He would bore them and hone them, you know, hone them and bore them. And then, you know, adjust, you know, take the carb and, you know, open up the jet a little, whatever it was. And he'd say, here, get on the bike now and try it. And we had a big open place in behind our house. So I'd get on this bike. He'd give me, you know, and, and it could be a, I'm like, eight years old or whatever, it'd be a 125 and I could barely even get my feet on the ground. And he'd stick me on that 125. Okay, test it. Let's see how fast it'll go now, you know? And so I would just be on this two stroke, like wing, 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 you know, go from first to fifth or sixth and, you know, hit that thing, fly around the thing, come back around. And, you know, he would literally grab me. So, cause I couldn't put my toes on the ground. And hold me up and I jump off the bike and I go, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That's, that's really fast. And he would stick me on 400s as I got older, 250, 400s. We had Norton's, Harley Davidson, Suzuki, Hondas. Um, and we were sponsored by people. I had, uh, my leather. And at the time I became, my dad is nickname from the war. They always called him Mad Mike. And so that became my riding name. And, um, so then I started having that put on the back of my butt on my leathers when I race was mad Mike and, uh, they would do leathers for me, custom leathers. It got to the point to where I won a whole lot of races and grand nationals and, um, a damn near almost could have went pro, you know, and then my parents got divorced when I was about 16 and that's when it all fell apart. And that's where. A lot of stuff changed. But before I get there, um, I became very good at using the tools and building bikes and winning races. But they, um, but yeah, I, I, but when the parents had a fallout heading to divorce, my wild, crazy military venture was going to get much more real. 
as I became a civilian. But before I did that, um, when they did start breaking apart, we found out they were going to get divorced and all my bikes disappeared. This is a kid at 15 years old who just lost his world, everything. And I was never one, you don't cry, you know, growing up, that was always a thing. You don't cry. Uh, and I wasn't going to scream and yell and make commotion. I kept it all inside. So what I started doing is breaking in the houses. And I'd go into people's house and take showers and steal all their shit, you know, cassette tapes back then. And I would have a Doberman with me that used to run with me. I'd run alongside her. We would run to a house. I would check the door. No one's home. I'd walk in, start stealing all the stuff. I literally got at times, me and my friend, I had a friend that was named Kevin Butler. He was a black dude that was my best friend growing up. Um, still haven't found that bastard. I wonder where the hell he went. Cause we, we went through a lot, um, grew up together, going to school together. Um, last I seen him was because of CIA, FBI, uh, MPI, military police investigators, every, they were all going to his house because we had broken in all these houses and, um, they were interrogating us for like two to three weeks. Uh, every day after school, they threw us in a cage van. Um, when all was said and done. So we ended up, he ended up stealing a bike, breaking into a bike shop. I ended up collecting up guns and in and, uh, and stereo equipment. And I'll never forget the day when I had, um, we had did all that. My parents were getting divorced. His, his dad and mom was divorced now. Um, and I went to go see him and I seen all the vans out front of his house. I knew it was DOD military police investigators, FBI, all that, you know, and I was like, motherfucker, because um, they were looking for us. We got chased many times. We almost got caught. We busted out the window, ran out into the, into the, the bushes and threw, I had camouflage on. Um, I rolled underneath bushes and threw leaves and shit on me and they would be chasing us with rope gun motorcycles and, and Jeeps and helicopter, a fucking Huey going over the top, trying to find us. And then, uh, there was one night that happened. It was hilarious. It was one night it happened and me and him both ran out of the house just in time. And this fucking guy was chasing us. You know, it was one of the, uh, it was a private or something, you know, he goes, motherfuckers. Oh, he's chasing us. And we're running into the, you know, through houses and we make it out to the woods, uh, hopefully safe. So we finally got um, to where we can have many choices to go different directions and uh, it, it was crazy. Um, we had stopped in the bushes in, in some trees and stuff. And we were stopping. I said, oh, God damn it. You know, we have almost no way out. There's a helicopter there. They got a fucking Jeep over there. Um, they fucking got us, you know. And then I thought, no, no. I thought, what we got to do is let's just calm down. Let's get out of the woods and run down between these two houses where the light is, right? Let's walk out calmly. And go right back in front of the same house. And hopefully they won't, he won't even remember us. You know, he didn't really see us. I heard screaming, but I don't think he identified us. So the funny thing was we did that. We literally walk right past the military police standing there with his M16 and that. Um, and this other dude with a 45. And it, they said, kids, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> And so we scurried along up the hill. 
and they didn't didn't even think of it that it was us that did it. So that's the kind of stuff that I live on the edge for. That's the A type, I think you call it. An X type is when you like a little bit of the hyper, like the fun, exciting shit. But an A type is when you like that. When you're to the point, you're just you're risking it, and I mean your skin's fucking crawling. And I have to have that once in a while, I think, in my life, and I've had that plenty. Um, to where either it was cops or something else happening to where I was like, oh shit, is I'm gonna fucking die or you know something's like that. So that's kind of a thing. My I think that just comes with how I am. Um, I'll never forget one time too while we were on post. I I had to mention this now before I forget it was the one time that uh, I was on post. We were working on the bike and it was raining and there was a light. Uh, there was a, uh, um, not the light, but the, it was a light without the top on it. And, and my brother, I forgot somebody or something. He said, go out and shut the damn light off, you know? And uh, I, I swung, we had a big metal bar in front of the door. And I went out there and it was, and as I put my finger into the socket to pick it up, don't ask me why I was pinching it and doing that. But I turned it, it was a lamp, a big lamp with no top on it. So I stuck my finger in that goddamn thing. It was plugged in. 120 volts and 20 amps must have ripped through me. No shoes on, standing in an inch of rain. It shot through me and locked my arm on there. I tried to get it off. I still remember. I was literally being shocked to death. My brother, Scott, sees us in the kitchen. Luckily, he was even there. He flew through the door, grabbed the metal pole, swing it around to grab me, and now it shot through him to the metal pole. And the only thing that saved me was when he yanked me to yank the damn because I you freeze your your brain can't tell your heart arm to move and so when he did that he yanked me and I dropped the damn lamp and I dropped I hit the ground he thought I was dead I I guess I thought I was dead I went straight to the ground and then I guess I woke up in a little bit and I went oh my god and so what does my brother do right? This is how our family is because God knows all the injuries and crazy shit that had happened. Um, so the first thing he says, it, well, I get up and I go, whoa, man. And he goes, how, how are you okay? And I say, yeah, I'm okay. I go, man, I feel like I got a lot of energy. And he was like, really go run across the street. I bet you're faster than Superman. And so I jetted across and I probably did run 150 miles an hour. I shot across that street. I ran back and he goes, man, how you feeling? I was like, yeah, I got a whole bunch of energy now. That was great. So that was how my first introduction <laughs> uh, to electricity and how I liked it. Um, and why, I mean, why I'm not so scared of it. And so then that was how I really got, you know, my taste of electronics or electricity. Um, so so uh, staying tuned here, as you know, uh, I can, you know you I can explain why the ups and downs um, of things I've done, and I've done a lot of crazy stuff, and and now you can see from this is the very early start of my childhood, and um, 
into my teens and stuff. And, and I had yet now to move on to Marina. And after the, when they got divorced, living with my mom, a single mom with the, you know, with me and the shit really started going down the partying, um, and other stuff. So I'll start talking about some stories about that. And, uh, here we go. So it's getting interesting and, um, on to the next episode. Keep on listening.